What you believe about the world, what you believe to be true and good, will inform your views on politics. Today we are going to begin our political discussions with our philosophies on the purpose of government, explain what we believe laws are there for, and break down how our worldviews affect our understanding of human rights. David. And we're finally here. The moment everyone's been waiting for. You know, I've had when I've told people about this show, they're like, wow, a Christian, an atheist, and agnostic. They must hate each other. They must get into fights all the time. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And so they're like, well, have you talked about politics? And I was like, well, not yet. And they're like, oh, you're gonna fight then. So the but spoiler they don't know alert. We've talked about this before. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say the spoiler alert is we've already talked about most of these topics already just off the mic. Um it you know, sometimes it gets heated, but it's it's generally pretty civil and balanced. But um anyway, um there's a caveat before we get into things. Um I want I want to be clear that Facing the Gates is a podcast about worldviews and their real-world implications. That being said, we're not going to go extremely deep into every single political issue. Instead, we're, the goal is to kind of bring it all back to worldview and outline how that affects our politics. So, again, not going through every single issue in the books. Um, we're going through a select few that are culturally relevant and also relevant to the religious topics that we have discussed. Uh, I also want to begin by saying that uh, I am not a perfect Christian, nor do I believe that 100% of my political opinions will would be supported by other Christians or Jesus himself. I am, however, trying to live out my faith as best I know possible with my political views. Um, so, that all being said, um, I also believe our American political system today isn't exactly conducive or a one-to-one -one representation of Christianity. Both ideologies put forth by the two major parties today fall short of the Christian ethic, and neither should be viewed as synonymous with Christianity. Also, for Christians, if not kept in check, I believe pol politics can become a form of idolatry. I say this to remind people that God is God, not the state. That doesn't mean that politics is irrelevant and that Christians shouldn't be involved with politics, but just don't put too much faith in the government. So, with those disclaimers out of the way, uh, let's begin laying our cards on the table so the audience can know where we stand for future conversations. Uh, without being pejorative or too specific, because we will obviously discuss the specific issues later, where do you personally align politically and why? Well, I'll start us off. For me personally, I share some beliefs on both the left and right. I lean more towards 
left of center on even in the uh quote unquote democratic party of today i'm even further left on a lot of ideas but i also still hold some values which would be attributed to more marxist beliefs which is extreme left with some more middle right ideologies so that's that's kind of where i stand mostly left but i can swing right on some very key issues to my heart david well not to be too specific but even though it's a bad kind of way to view it just as a straight left and right on like the political compass if y'all know what that is basically there's Um, explain it for people that don't know Okay, so at the top you have authoritarian. So mm-hmm. think, and at the bottom you think have of it, libertarian. Yeah, think of it kind of, think of it kind of like a compass, like a like a well, yeah, a compass or like a bar graph, not a bar graph, uh, a grid. Yeah. Like so at, the to- at the top you have authoritarian, authoritarian. at the bottom you have liter- libertarian. And then left and right. I'm pretty much libertarian. What is, what is left and right? Um, think of how we classically view view it like. Marxists, well, Marxists are left, but say like Chinese communism or the USSR would be authoritarian left. Mm-hmm. And most form of governments are at least slightly authoritarian right. Right. Because that's okay. so I'm like I'm just asking for clarification for people that don't know. Yeah. Dead kind of <clears throat> dead libertarian center for the most part. Leaning a bit more towards libertarian left. Which is so that, that's where you are. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. Well, I view myself as conservative. Socially, I believe our culture is headed in the wrong direction. And for me, that is largely informed by my Christian ethics. I believe that traditions have a purpose and should not be thrown out carelessly because I believe people fought there to put them there for a reason. Um, economically, I suppose I lean more conservative, but I'm open to conversation about it. Um, that being said, that doesn't mean that I don't have any problem with some conservative politicians or that I agree with every little thing the party puts forth. I believe that certain politicians are especially problematic for what the ide- I- for the ideology, if you want to label it that way, stands for. Um, I also appreciate the American Solidarity Party. They are relatively small currently, but I'm keeping my eye on them as a third party alternative. And so obviously... Um, this is just a very rough introduction about uh, our dispositions, and we'll get more into it as we go further. Um, do we have anything else we want to say about our kind of uh, initial starting places before we go into the purpose of government? Any disclaimers for people before you well, scare them off with your crazy communist ideas? Well, uh,. My biggest disclaimer would be keep an open mind whenever talking about politics. And if you're the listener, keep an open mind when you're listening on discussions upon politics. Even if you disagree with somebody, you can find some knowledge there. That will be more helpful going through this than keeping a closed mind and fighting back at every word said, whether you're right or left. Because that polarity is the 
the uh, one-to-one polarity can be the enemy <clears throat> of democracy. Yeah, we will probably, I don't know if it's in this point, in this episode or in another one, we'll probably discuss the the left-right divide and just, just, you know, just throw it out there. I think in the past, the the whole um, push and pull of left and right has been generally good for government because it has allowed us to not go too far in one direction, and it's kind of allowed us to refine, um, you know, certain ideas and kind of balance things out and be more nuanced. But as it stands today, I just don't think uh, it's a good thing because, like, the ideologies are so diametrically opposed to one another that there is no real compromise. We don't agree on what the issues even are. We don't agree on what the solutions are. It used to be like we agreed what the, the issues were and we just had different solutions to those problems. But now we have different issues entirely, different um philosophy supporting both of the parties anyway that's a digression um so what is the purpose of government what do you believe is the relationship between the state and federal government the way and and also also because we have international listeners i should probably disclaim this is specifically american forms of government um different countries are going to function differently but being that we are living in the United States, this is our context for this conversation. The way I look at the relationship between the state and federal, I do not personally believe. I think the federal is more for a, not that I agree or disagree with it, but the way I look at it, the federal is more for the guidelines and things you cannot do and things that, you can do when speaking about laws and things of that nature. And the state is more for the localistic or pinpoint like uh, example that is gun law. So you're saying essentially the, the federal government is kind of the skeleton and the, the state government is more specific and, and narrows things down a little bit more. That's the way that I've seen it throughout my life, yes. Okay. Go ahead and wait, what we were about to say. Uh, gun, gun law, for example. Uh, like with gun law, it's different for every state. I have lived in South Carolina my whole life, but I couldn't go, I could buy a long arm in Georgia, but not a pistol, and vice mm-hmm. versa. Right. And let's say I moved to California, I would have to either surrender my magazines of greater than 10 rounds or make them only hold 10 rounds or less. And so it's kind of like the government's like, right, the bare arms. And then each state's like, oh, except this one or this one. Oh, well, we want all these, but not this one kind yeah. of deal. And not, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with it, but that's the way I've looked at it. And then even when it comes to infrastructure, the government sets up a skeleton of like highways and interstates that was federally funded. And then all these smaller parts of roadways and things are kind of <coughs> DOT, which is department of transportation ran and funded. And so 
I hope those kind of give an idea of the way I see it. It's like, like you said, the skeleton mm -hmm. is the federal government, whereas the bones, ligaments, skin, organs, that's all state. Okay. What about you, David? Pretty much for me, the purpose of the government would be in just in general serve the people while setting up guidelines to how something should be done not a lot but like for example our penal code because we kind of want laws that say yeah it's a you're not allowed to kill people but on the first point essentially say like a medical system, um, an army and stuff like that. And I'll go in detail on kind of how I view those things should work, the economic impact and all that. And, but the relationship between the state and federal government, I kind how, like my ideal version versus how it is now where state has true precedent. I think for myself and kind of my perfect little world would be that the state, it's almost the same, but the federal government does have some guidelines that it can say, Hey, y'all can't really make a precedent and set your own laws where this has been accepted federally on certain occasions. Okay. Yeah, and real quick, I think the inverse could be true for that, where states try to bring laws forward, and they're publicly supported, but then the federal government's like, oh, oh no, no, not on our watch. <laughs> yeah. Also, one thing real quick, I realized I didn't really discuss the purpose of government. Mm-hmm. So, to give a TLDR, me personally, the purpose of the government is to create a baseline for how society should and can operate and baselines for freedoms and things of that sort that cannot be broken up and to act as a representative of its populace which whether or not that is true today that's how it's supposed to be in my eyes right this this may all be a little abstract for people, but I'm I'm gonna probably ask more specific questions as we as we kind of break this one question down. Um, <clears throat> but from my perspective, the purpose of government is to make, enforce, and interpret laws. It also maintains peace between the U.S. and other foreign governments. By and large, that's it. I don't believe the government's job is to be a social justice warrior. I don't believe the government's job is to skip the to tip the scales in favor of the disadvantaged. I believe the government should ensure that everyone is treated fairly and equally under the law and to protect the, to protect and preserve the constitution and the laws put forth. Um, as far as the relationship between the federal government and the states, um, I believe the federal government should be as small as possible. The larger it gets, the more clunky it performs and the more it attempts to do things it's not designed to do. Most issues should be resolved by local state governments through state government. Those sto uh, state governments should never attempt to usurp federal law. 
the national government is in place to ensure basic rights across all citizens to homogenize the states economically. Um, what the federal government does at a macro level across the nation, the local government does on a micro level across individual states. While subservient to federal law, the states and the state governments are designed to focus specifically on local issues. And while the federal government does have the power to ha, does have power over states in some areas, it does not have the power to intervene with that state's political interests unless those things infringe upon national law. Uh, I know you probably wanted to say something, Michael, so I'll let you go ahead. Um, my mind is just the gears are going right this moment. While I would, in a perfect world, agree, we have seen bef before where if the federal government doesn't take a stand, mm -hmm. then states will just run amok with whatever they want. If you look back in history at the uh, 35th Compromise and guidelines based upon desegregation, the uh, nationalization of people. Mm -hmm. But the inverse could be said when it comes to things like uh, the laws regarding controlled substances. States like Colorado, California, they are committing a federal crime, but I do not think it is the federal government's job to intervene in those because first, I think it's an unjust law, and second, the state obviously has found a way to tax and create a safe recreational market for these things. So I don't think it's the federal's <clears throat> job to come in there and police the people either. Right. Yeah. So uh, with with regard to like the three fifths compromise, for me, that would that would fall under the government kind of creating laws that ensures that everyone is treated fairly and equally at a national at a federal level so like that would be a federal issue um as far as like whether or not people take a stand that's just a vague thing that's not that's not attached to anything specific um, but i think there's kind of this obsession with taking a stand on everything today and not everything needs government intervention like not everything is a political problem and everything becomes politicized today sometimes it's a cultural issue and sometimes people of the culture need to address that issue sometimes it's certain subsets of people within society that need to solve the problem not the federal government or the state government and a lot of these things have become you know not getting into anything specific because we'll talk about it later but a lot of things have gotten um, elevated to the national level when it really shouldn't be because it's it's this local conflict that like you know anyway um okay so just to kind of give a little bit more specificity with this question um what do you think uh, like could you give an example of what you think and we maybe we've covered this a little bit already but something that the federal government can do um, and something that the state government can do 
and then also something that the federal government cannot do and something that the state government cannot do. So kind of what are what are the boundaries of their power, essentially? Are we talking in, say, what I would what I see it as or the realistic worldview that's currently active? Um, we could say what you personally believe. And if you want to contrast that with how it is today, you can do that. Um, because obviously this, the purpose of this episode is to kind of give people an idea of how we see the purpose of government laws and rights, which will inform the later episodes. So obviously in later episodes, we will talk about like how things actually are versus how things ought to be, because that's kind of naturally where those conversations will lead. But for the, for the main thing, I just want to know like what you think. One example I'll use is actually something I lean very right on, and that's, again, the Second Amendment. The federal government sets the precedent of you have the legal right to bear arms. There is no quotations put on it. There's no, but not these. I don't think it is a, I think once that precedent has been set legally through the federal government. Mm-hmm. I personally don't believe a state should be able to infringe on those rights. So like with what California does, New Jersey, New York, Illinois, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, every state has kind of pushed back into that. And it's been led by both the left and the right to kind of clash and take away certain freedoms that the Second Amendment gives us. Like with uh, Trump's ban on bump stocks or the Brady Bill from 94 to 2004. Those were federal things that kind of took away that freedom, but also I don't believe states should be able to take away any part of that freedom either. Mm -hmm. But one thing that, say, I think a state can, a state can do is, say state tax code let's say in the county that we resided in in south carolina it was what seven percent yeah i think so i believe a state should be able to set their own tax code what taxes they collect what infrastructure they go to and such and the federal government should not be able to kind of tamper with that there should obviously be guidelines because if they say, oh, 100% tax rate, what can you do? Right. But I don't, I believe that's something that should be left on the state level. And again, vice versa. But one thing I think the federal government should not be able to do is, again, touching back is like with the legalization of marijuana. I think things like that should be left on a state level. If the people of the state vote for it, they support mm -hmm. it, they build the infrastructure, they supply workers. I think that should be left hands off from the government, just like we would do with uh, dry counties and states. That's left up to the county, not to the state, not to the Fed. So I think... It, Think certain things should work like that where it's up to the people of the state to make an informed 
political decision and not the federal government to reach their hand in and be like, ooh, I'm the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. If, if uh, that, that makes sense. If yeah, not, no, that, can... that, was a good, that was a good response. What about you, David? Yeah. With... So, like, uh, law... Yeah. Yeah. But laws, it especially in America, it's very interesting what, say, we think the federal versus state can do because for people that don't know, pretty much federal, it's like uh, the federal is the EU and the states are like all the European countries. It's a weird little thing. But for myself, laws kind of set up a just basically the societal backbone and for example with like federal i kind of disagree with the infrastructure i think for a more consistent infrastructure around say the u.s it would make sense for the federal government to be able to dictate within reason how say like oh this road here goes from one side country to the other or the train routes, stuff like mm-hmm. that, the, at least the traveling infrastructure, and then say, like, the well, how we're doing the show right now for the internet. I think between, say, like, a federal infrastructure for ways of transportation communication are good because, I mean, it gives a whole... I, yeah it makes it kind of more consistent. But for examples of things they shouldn't do, I kind of agree with Michael on say like controlled substances and kind of more cultural, small issues where like the federal government, it's wrong to kill people. Yeah, fine. Where, but it's also, interesting because say like it's like saying oh the EU should do this versus this European nation mm-hmm. I think if it's a broad idea like then the federal should and then for more small nuanced topics states should but the overall things that affect everyone throughout the nation that it's good to set up a federal precedent on how things should work. Yeah, I think by and large, I would probably agree with you on most of that. Um, I think just, <clears throat> you know, in general, national issues that affect everyone um, that are actual national issues should be addressed by the federal government. So, for example, uh, slavery. Well, it was good that the federal government um, intervened on that. Um, there are some things that the federal government intervenes on that I don't think are necessary. Um, so, hmm, to get, uh, not to be too topical, but, um, to force, um, people who work for a company of over a hundred people to be vaccinated, um, I think people should be able to make their own choice about whether or not they get a vaccine. And the court has overturned this mandate and said, yeah, that's how it is. Um, As far as the state level, you know, again, uh, the same thing as the federal 
but on a micro level. So the state should be able to make laws about, you know, the issues specific to that state. So the economics of South Carolina are not going to be the same as the economics of California. So obviously there are going to be differences in laws there with regard to their economic policies, their tax rates, you know. Um, I don't think, again, the state government should be too, I don't know, I don't know a specific like state example, but like, I don't think the state government should um, just be too overbearing and too specific on the citizen. I do think, you know, freedom is important. Um, but I, I don't think that the state government should make, um, uh, for, okay, here's a good example. Uh, you can't beat your wife on the steps of the, the courthouse between three and 5 PM. Uh, that should not be a law, <laughs> that, but it is. You cannot play pinball in South Carolina. I want to say on Wednesday. You can't play pinball on Wednesday. Pinball was associated with gambling. Yeah. There's so many draconian laws that are still on the books. There's there's one about like McDonald's or something. I don't remember what it was. It was like a weird McDonald's law in California. But anyway, that that, those are some ideas of uh, limitations, I guess. Yeah, I, I I think a good way to put it would the federal government should set the ceiling or the base the bottom floor of the law. And then it's the people's choice to an extent to go, okay, well, this state thinks we should go, we should follow this law with this. And this state goes, that's cool. We just want to follow it with this. There should be, there should be wiggle room. Right. So maybe the federal government kind of an, a similar analogy to what you're giving is the federal government is the um, foundation to a building, whereas the yes. state is the actual building. Yeah. And the layers upon it. Okay. And gotcha. The, I, I like that you brought up the uh, vaccine thing mm-hmm. because the, that's one thing where when I look at the law, I think it should be, Obviously, no one should be forced to get a vaccine. Do I believe every healthy person who is safely able to get it should? Yes, but that's my personal belief. Mm-hmm. Do I believe a individual who owns and runs a business should be able to go, hey, since we do this work, you should be vaccinated? I think it, me personally, I think it's the business owner's right to do that because it's their business. Same with, I believe if you are employed by a business owner, no matter whom it is, you sign a code of conduct and you're forced to follow stipulated rules. That's in my eyes, no different. Or you sign an NDA where you cannot disclose information or work with competitors. Those are all legal rights that a business has. Right. And it's the individual's right, since we are in a, especially given locations, we are wearing right-to-work states. Well, most mm-hmm. states, I think, are right-to-work. Yeah. So then it is on the employee to 
decide, do I want to follow these quote unquote laws written by this company? Yes, no. It's my right to choose. And if it's no, you find a different job. If it's yes, you sign the paperwork and you get the work. We've all done it. We've all had jobs. Right. But I don't think it's the federal or even state government who should make that call on an individual basis. Right. Well, actually, that, that's how the federal government wasn't even doing that. What, he, uh, what was done is uh, OSHA was being used to enforce that. So essentially, the federal government wasn't doing anything. It was a a, a bureaucracy, essentially, yeah. uh, well, kind of mandating in a sense. So, I know the the uh, it was government, a loophole, essentially. The government contractors at SRS, which is a bomb plant, for all those not aware, right? It handles nuclear waste. Right. They so were actually a Savannah River site for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, they were actually trying to mandate that you have to get a vaccine to work there. Me personally, they run it. They paid the bills on it. Their choice. You sign a paper to say, yes, I want to work here and follow the rules you put forth. But yeah, this is a different rabbit trail and I'm not going to trace it just because I know it it is another rabbit trail, but this kind of gets into the issue of the politicization of much of corporate America today and the fact that um, the culture of a company is largely determined by their corporate politics and that extends itself into things like vaccine mandates. And I think there's a debate. Lobbying and all that fun stuff where you have companies as government. Right, yeah. And I, I think that as far as like, you know, whether or not people should get a vaccine. I think there's a debate there. Like if you want to get it, if you think you're at risk and you should get it, sure. Um, There's definitely currently a lively debate about this. And there's been a lot of uh, political censorship on this issue. So I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't want to get the show censored. So we're going to move on. Uh, (laughs) What is the purpose of laws what are some examples of what they do and what are some examples of what they don't do? So kind of, uh, I kind of, we kind of already covered this a little bit, but let's talk about laws. What do you think are the purpose of laws? I believe that they should give a standard and a backbone to society and create a fair playing ground for the individual because without laws that are set forth in both federal and state government, we would just have a bunch of small communes governing themselves and then creating either draconian or authoritarian or extremely capitalist politics on a smaller micro level. And that would be a very hard thing to integrate into the rest of society. One commune to the next, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a a set, uh, an agreed upon set of, uh, moral principles, maybe? I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Moral principles are just general general things that we don't necessarily have to compromise on, like the right to free speech, the uh, don't kill people, don't steal. <laughs> yeah. You know, common, I hate to say it like this because I'm going to have some old person going, 
Buddha's notes of common common sense principles that we hold. You have the right to own property. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't tell anyone what they can and can't say. Uh, don't, don't be a dick, as David would put it. I think that is the purpose of laws, is to create a baseline for society. Okay. What about you, David? I pretty much the same for myself. It's sets kind of the backbone and kind of code of conduct that we conduct business and life through. All right. Um, well, I, you know, I wouldn't disagree with most of what you guys have said already, but I think laws are put in place to protect individuals. Laws establish rights, which we'll discuss in a moment. Um, in order to allow citizens certain legal freedoms. Laws, laws also establish what citizens are not allowed to do. In other words, the government sort of is, is sort of playing God in some sense. It gives us moral prescriptions, things that it deems morally acceptable, and things that it deems morally unacceptable. And these things are written down as laws. So, for example, laws grant us rights such as freedom of speech, freedom of religion, right to bear arms, etc., these are deemed morally acceptable by the government. Laws also forbid certain actions. Things like murder, stealing, rape are illegal because they are deemed morally unacceptable by the government. Um, however, laws cannot actually inform us on what we ought to do in any given situation. Uh, in other words, in regards to ethics, laws are written prescriptions. Laws do not tell us what we ought to think or what we... Uh, who we ought to marry. Laws tell us what is legal, what not what is objectively morally true or good. As humans, we are prone to error and various laws reflect this. And this is where I think Christianity and America, uh, American politics begin to diverge. So, for example, there are some things that Christians deem immoral that are legal. But just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's good. Um, I, I agree. I argue uh, that laws are fundamentally a moral issue, but many of our laws are morally misguided. Obviously, we'll discuss more of these laws in the future episodes. Um, I'll let you guys respond to that before yes. I get to my last point. Yeah, I, I, I agree, because laws, to give freedoms and rights, you got to paint with a broad stroke, and it's laws also don't tell you how to interpret them, like the freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want on this platform. Doesn't mean there isn't consequences when I run into people. Right. I can, I can call and make threats. Doesn't mean I can't be arrested for those threats. It just gives me the freedom to say it in an open space. And it gives me the freedom to express my own opinion, even if it is against, say, government or against personal beliefs morals, things like that. I can say whatever I want. doesn't mean there's reper not repercussions. Law, they don't tell you how to interpret them. Well, the, your rights don't tell you how to interpret them. Some laws do. Most, most leave broad strokes. Like, it's illegal to commit homicide. But if someone breaks in your house, it's perfectly legal. Right. You got anything to say about that, David? I don't know. Not really, but uh, kind of as you were pointing out, 
even though it says it's okay in law, doesn't mean it's culturally versus socially okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lawfully right bastards. And yeah. there's also the inverse could be said too. Just because it's technically against the law doesn't mean it's necessarily more morally reprehensible mm-hmm. as we have been shown through the short history that is America. There's a lot of people that broke a lot of laws that were in the right. And there's a lot of people who suck directly by the law who are awful people. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll, and I've kind of said this earlier a little bit, but um, that all being said, some issues are not really issues of politics so much as they are issues of culture. This is when we get into culture wars, which we'll discuss more next episode on uh, political ideologies and narratives. Um, But what I'm getting at is this, just because the government can sign something into the law doesn't mean that all of a sudden uh, public opinion changes. The government can't change public opinion from the top down, or at least it ought not to. That's not the job of the government. Usually that's why some issues... Yeah, that's why some issues should be tackled from the bottom up by challenging the culture, which is where the culture wars come in. Um, do we have anything else to to talk about on laws before we move into rights? Uh, kind of to add on to what you just said, if it worked from the top down, that would just be fascism at that That's point. That's just tyranny. Yeah. And the way... It's really the way to tackle some things are from grassroots, ground up, get get your boots on the ground and get working. That's how mm-hmm. so many draconian laws have been challenged over the short history that is America. And so I, I do agree with a lot of things are not necessarily the right of the government to change, but due to the culture and the people. It's our job to inform and then to change either ourselves or create conversations to work right. on that. Yeah. The government isn't your bodyguard. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into the last part of this episode, which uh, is rights. What are rights? Why are rights a good thing? And how does your worldview inform your view of human rights? This is a very loaded series of questions, but uh, I think it'll be very interesting. Well, obviously, our ideas of rights are going to be skewed due to our preference of politics or due to the geographic location that we are put at in America. Our rights are unalienable things that you cannot take away from us. These right. things, no law, no man, well, no hold on country. A are you sure you can't take away people's rights? Are you I sure was... there aren't certain circumstances in which you can take away certain people's rights for certain reasons? There, There is a funny loophole that I'll touch base on that. Okay. <laughs> but that's the definition of rights. You look at right. the Bill of Rights, they're there. Freedom of religion. You can believe anything you want. If you want to believe 
there's a flying spaghetti monster in the sky. That's your right, man. Do I believe that some laws infringe on rights? Of course. Of course. But, and do we use the adhere, the uh, removal of rights as punishment in America? We do. The government gets away from that by viewing people as property at that point, not people. They are property. Slavery is still legal through a loophole in America, just not from for individuals. And so to you're me, saying the the rules for thee are not the rules for me. Yeah, that's that's essentially it. You break a law, you're property of the state or the county I, or the federal. What I mean, what I mean by that is what the federal government applies top down to everyone else doesn't necessarily apply to the federal government itself. Federal or state. Right. Okay. Both of them. But... I can think of a few examples. <laughs> oh, there are plenty. There are so plenty. Many. <laughs> but we'll, we won't necessarily dive into that yeah. right this moment. But the definition of rights are unalienable things you cannot take away from a person. Rights are a great thing because it gives you a basis... A, a baseline level of personal liberties, freedoms, and expression. And it's through me wanting to see the true definition of rights being shown that influences my worldview on human rights because I don't even think our own country is able to give the word justice and how we treat both each other from the top down, bottom up, and for how, from how we make laws. But the rights are things we can fight laws with through the Supreme Court, local court, uh, pretty much anyone who can write a law, we can fight with our rights. And they were, not to get too much on a side tangent here, your personal rights were given to you to fight against a tyrannical government. We, as Americans, had to deal with the British, and we put forth this Bill of Rights as things you cannot take away from the American citizen. Right to bear arms, that is given forth to fight against a tyrannical government. Freedom of speech, you can't silence us. And... So, yeah, that's my view of rights, and... Hold off on the it, how your worldview informs your view of human rights for now, because I think we'll come back to that in just a minute. I'm okay. gonna go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and let David respond to what are rights and why are they a good thing. I mean, it, that does just sound like a copy of Michael, but essentially just the same thing. It's something inalienable. <laughs> now... I'll just... How about this? Yeah. Next time, in the next episode, I'll let you go first, and then Michael will have to come up with something unique. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, okay. That's cool with me. But, I love I mean, it. With both of us being more leftist, I guess it kind of falls more similarly. Yeah. But, yeah. but, I mean, they're... Well, I mean, I'm not... A, I'm not as far as this yeah. episode goes, I'm not really disagreeing with you guys much. So, yeah. it's been simple well, so far. Yeah, but we've had these conversations. We'll fight later! No, I'm just kidding. All right, go ahead. But yeah, essentially same thing now. The 
depending if it comes up on another episode, the kind of revocation of rights would be an interesting topic. See if we more so agree or disagree on that, on at least how it's performed, how we would implement it, if we would implement it. Because I think um, uh, at least... You, what, do you, what do you mean? Define that word that you just said. Revocation taking away. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like gotcha. your license gets revoked. Yeah. Or right. okay. you commit a a crime and then you can't a crime like, and you're vote not or something. A, yeah. Yeah. You can't because like for that you're as Michael said you're viewed as property to the government. That and, is an interesting discussion. I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a pin in that, and we, if we have time, we might talk about it later in this episode. But yeah. for now, what are rights, David? Tell me what they are. Why are they a good thing? Well, as Michael said, pretty much rights are kind of inalienable actions that we can do. They can't be taken away, except, as we just said, sometimes it can happen. And they're a good thing because they give us kind of a fundamental liberty and ability to kind of fight say laws or actions we disagree with and usually especially with freedom of speech should it should be more civil instead of just at each other's necks but you know all right well i'm probably not going to be innovating too much at this point i should stop going last honestly <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I would say rights are the fundamental freedoms of an individual uh, that an individual has as a citizen of the United States. Um, laws are put in place, ideally, to protect and preserve these rights and to ensure that they are applied equally across all citizens. Rights are a good thing because they allow for citizens to prosper. We are free to succeed in our own personal and professional lives in America because we have rights which guarantee our freedom. We are free from the tyrannical reign of an oppressive dictator, for example, Civil rights are a good thing because they allow us to be truly ourselves, treated equally under law, and largely endorse universally good ethics. Uh, there's a little asterisk in that. We'll get more to that later. Um, do you guys have a response to that, or should we go ahead and talk about the big can of worm that is, um, how does your worldview inform uh, your view of human rights? I, I'm, I'm ready to move it forward if we want. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to go ahead and go first just so that I look good for once. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't steal all the spotlight in the show, <laughs> you know, the quasi communist. Yeah, essentially. Um, so a as I just said a minute ago, we all believe that rights are a good thing. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Um, but that word good has implications, namely moral implications. And this is why we discussed morality so early on in the show, because your philosophical view of morality informs almost everything else. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I'm going to plug it for like the 20th time. Go listen to our episode on morality. TLDR, we all believe in objective morality. Sorry for spoilers. Anyway, um, so um, let's take a, a, a refresh on those two major views of morality in our society. Um, today. Obviously, there's more, but these are the main two. Either morals are subjective and they are determined by a society or the individual, 
or morals are objective and they are unchanging, grounded in some objective factual source. If morals are subjective, they can change on a whim and they aren't actually good. They are just good relative to whoever views them subjectively as good. Now, as we've discussed earlier, how absurd this idea really is, because we all believe things like rape and murder are really actually objectively wrong, and they we don't just happen to agree that it's wrong. Um, after all, if someone believes that rape is good, uh, who is the moral subjectivist to claim that they're wrong? That person is just acting according to their subjective moral ethic. So... Obviously, this leads to problems. I believe that morals are objective, and as such, they require an objective moral grounding, which is God. And again, go listen to that episode of Morality for more on this. But back to why I think rights are a good thing. When I say rights are a good thing, I mean rights are an objective moral good. Rights are grounded in objective morality, which means that rights are implicitly religious in nature. Upon a subjective moral framework, Rights are absurd, or at the very least, subject to that society's morality. So here's the crux of my argument. Rights, as we see them today, are absurd to believe in without also believing in God. Without some objective reference point, such as an all-good God, rights are merely subjective to the whim of the ever-changing public opinion. We know it is objectively morally wrong to enslave people, and it always has been. So essentially my view is that if we believe rights are universal good, we have to also believe in God because otherwise it makes no sense logically and leads to absurdities. And I'll get off my podium now. I'll let you tackle it, David. I'll go last so I don't still know on spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let the atheist follow up that. Bring it on, David. We'll square up. Sorry. Right, well, kind of, if I remember correctly, like for myself, I put kind of like uh, viewing how like a kid reacts this stuff as a way to kind of judge. Say like a kid usually won't like go and kill someone, for example. Hopefully. Uh, uh, yeah, hopefully. But... <laughs> Like, for myself, I view rights as like, oh, what would happen, say, if I wasn't allowed to speak up on this issue or if someone who has this viewpoint that differs, that's even though they might not be right, it's so good for them to be able to communicate that and all of that. So, while we disagree on the God, there is... It does lead, especially because, I mean, religions have their own laws and codes and stuff. It follows a religious background because our government was built as kind of a deistic government. Right. I guess kind of what I was, part of what I was getting at was yeah. um, with the founding fathers largely either being explicitly Christian or deists, uh, you know, they believed in God. Yeah, most I'm of them were Masons. They had to believe believed, in a higher power. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, this idea of inalienable rights came out of that worldview and it doesn't make sense outside of that worldview. 
And that's this that's the worldview that was responsible for the founding of America. So uh, an atheistic America, you know, where we, we still believe in rights, it doesn't make sense because rights on an atheistic view are still subjective. And that's why <laughs> that's why that's that partly gets to the core of the culture wars today. Um, and, and what a lot of the up to this point in the show, what we've been talking about has been kind of alluding to this battle between secularism and religious views. Yeah. And also, especially kind of as I see it, with a lot of people being kind of kind of ostracized from being like told, oh yeah, you know, come come speak, come speak. You you have opinion, speak it. Where people just go at each other's neck instead of actually talking, it leads to the further divide of that. And so people get more and more extremists because, oh, these people listen to me and here's what they believe in. Mm -hmm. And these little kind of small issues and small ideas blow up to be huge, kind of diverse opinions that compared to our government are way radical because, I mean, our government's on a global scale is pretty close together. Even opposing okay. sides. Okay. Uh, Michael, I'm going to call on you. Well, first thing, my worldview, much like my political beliefs, are still developing. So everyone take that, keep that in mind. Right. Okay. I could be very wrong on a lot of things, and I could be very right on a lot of things. We'll catch you a year from now, and they'll be completely different, right? Yeah, because we're, <laughs> you know, we're human. We learn, we grow, we change. Don't hold that against someone if they change. But the way I look at how my worldview ties into what I see as rights is all of the rights that we, we have stated and given forth all tie down to even sometimes primal levels of human existence. So like the freedom of speech. That is one thing that I believe from birth is something that we have always strived for and always wanted. No one wants to be silenced. No one wants to be told not to speak their mind, speak their opinion. And the writing of those into, let's say, the Bill of Rights is just the physical acclamation of that and like for the right to bear arms that's essentially the right to defend yourself the bear arms is just a legal caveat there and that is an innately an innate thing that we feel the need to do when we are under attack now does my view on where these come from differ from say david Yes, but I think they are innately human and in what the rights are 
and they are expanded upon upon basic human uh I don't want to say desires but something of that nature that makes sense I because desire sounds very hedonistic mm-hmm. to use where I think it's more ingrained because the right to speak the right to protect yourself the right to do this and that isn't necessarily hedonistic so I am not 100% concrete on how they, the two where they come from and yeah how the two tie in but I do see that they are innately ingrained in human beings even outside of a society because if you look at the uh, let's say the aboriginally people mm-hmm. if there's one or two they're going to want to defend themselves they're going from intruders they're going to want to be able to communicate with each other and against each other and so on and so forth so they are innately ingrained in us but i don't have a full 100% concrete a to b apples to apples kind of thing it's just something that i see ingrained in people and i'm view i'm forming my uh ideas as my theological viewpoint changes Gotcha. So well, I'm glad you guys went first because that's a real, real uh, jump <laughs> off a steep cliff there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> the agnostic doesn't 100% know. Ooh. <clears throat> Surprising. <laughs> what do you know? Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and summarize my viewpoint here, and then we can kind of wrap up and maybe talk about the irrevocable rights thing. Um, so, um, I kind of believe we run into issues with people in the U.S. uh, who claim to not be religious but still believe in inalienable human rights because the concept of human rights is a religious concept and doesn't make sense without it. Without God, human rights are just arbitrary beliefs that we hold and are therefore subjective. Human rights are unavoidably moral in nature, which begs the moral question, which we've discussed, and points us to the moral argument for God's existence and ultimately alludes to the existence of God. So either way you slice it, the philosophical underpinnings of our society imply that God exists and only make logical sense if God exists. Um, Also, as a side note, I believe that many of the things that we call rights today aren't actually rights. That's how I would object to immoral laws, Um, that they aren't actually morally good, so therefore they aren't actually rights. Uh, but of course, we'll get into uh, discuss the detail of those specific things in future episodes. And that is pretty much all I have to say. If you guys have responses, let's uh, let's hear it. One quick question. Okay. And this is just something that popped in my head while you were saying that. Do you think that even? someone from an atheistic worldview brought up in America, because that is our locale. Right. What would you say if they believe that the Bill of Rights, for say, is what human rights are? Would you say they can agree, but they're missing something, 
or do you say they should have to disagree? Where do you fall on that? I'm I'm going to have to ask for clarification. Do you mean like they think like the Bill of Rights is the bedrock of morals or what do you mean? Well, we're using the word rights here and what you're right. saying is rights are a theistic thing right. put forth because America was made under a theistic worldview. Right. For the most part during the foundation, either again, they had to be theist, deist, or Christian, or yeah, there weren't any Jewish ones that I'm aware of. Right. But if they are raised under a government that has what is stated as unalienable rights and they subscribe to that, how do you interpret that? Okay, essentially? I gotcha. Okay, so um, this describes a lot of people today. I think th the way I would describe it is they have inherited the fruit of previous generations that the groundworks have been laid by people like the Founding Fathers. Um, so while they may believe, and, and this is true of a lot of people like in Europe now for, you know, Europe is not very Christian anymore. Um, so like they would inherit the moral concepts of, you know, essentially uh, a post-Christian society. And they just wouldn't have a grounding for why those are there. So this this happens a lot with people who today um, are like atheist or agnostic and don't really know where these things come from and don't really question them, but yet they still engage in political debates. Like they believe in something right and something good. But again, that, that would be, they would perceive it they I don't think essentially what I'm trying to say is there are people who believe in objective morals, but some people don't go all the way and think it through and figure out where that leads logically. And so my my point is that if you follow this trail, it leads to the question of God. It is a much deeper philosophical question. Some people don't follow it all the way there, and that's where they are. So I uh, I appreciate the response. That was just one thing that was kind of bubbling on my mind. And yeah, no, I think that describes just a lot of people today. Like a lot yeah. of people are in that position. Um, we'll we'll and we'll talk more about that later. But yeah. And one little side note: when you said Europe isn't very Christian anymore, most Christians aren't very Christian anymore. Oh, I know. I know. America is yeah. not like. Christians are now officially a minority in America. Uh, they are, there's like 40% of America is Christian still. So there was a poll that came out like a couple weeks ago. So yeah, America we, is officially a post-Christian society. Christians versus Christians. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, that is the, if I'm being honest, well, I don't even want to get into that because that's a whole different rabbit trail. But yeah. I was going to say that that's part of the problem, but also a big part of the problem that the reason Christianity in America is the way that it is today, and I'm going to be sound like a, a radical here, but uh, it's largely because the people that founded America, if they were Christian, they were Protestant. 
And as we've discussed, uh, Protestantism is largely dysfunctional and there's a lot of disunity. And so the seeds of that have been sowed into American society. So we can't be surprised by the way things have turned out in recent years. Um, if you don't like it, just rewrite it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm... Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up, especially with the Orthodox, well, more Orthodox Protestant kind of divide and kind of as we've talked about with, say, like the modern evangelical movement that kind of mm -hmm. has radicalized kind of people's viewpoint on Christianity. So we talked about that in our problems of, I think problems of like Christians. The problem episode? of Christians. Yeah, that was a good yeah. one. I forgot about that. We also talked um, in reflections on um, pastoral interviews and church visitations. We talked a lot about the different denominations. Um, and kind of like our reflections on that, obviously, hence the title. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to. I, I don't want to continue to divide us on things that do, because there's a lot of things that Christians unite on. And honestly, most things Christians unite on. There's a lot of nitty gritty and theology that people disagree on. But there's also the outward working of it and the practice and the way of worship that pushes people away and cause people to not respect Christianity, as we've discussed in previous episodes. Go listen and, to those. And that has led to the present dysfunction of Christianity and why people don't respect Christians today. Yeah, and to add one more caveat to that, I personally believe that for most people, most sane, normal-minded people, there's more that unites us than separates us. Take all three of us, for example. We essentially had the same idea of what government should should be. We might disagree on the uh specifics and gritty nuances, specifics yeah. and nuances, but we're also not taught to communicate and compromise in politics, which is obviously you see how the last two elections went. They were polar opposite fighting points. And mm -hmm. none of us are 100% behind any candidate. Yeah. No, I right. mean, you could really say that and for, for the last a lot of 50, 60 A lot of years. people, I'd say most people who voted for whichever respective president weren't even 50% on board. Because we're not taught to talk and compromise. You know how you get a good compromise? Everyone feels like they lost a little. No one comes out victorious on a compromise. It doesn't feel good to compromise. Yeah, well... And there's, there's obviously some things that you don't compromise on. But for the most part, most things to do at government, we should all stop lambasting our moral superiority and virtue signaling when we're not willing to get up off our ass except maybe to vote once every four years. And we should start working on let's say economic compromise okay you guys think we should do it this way you guys think we should do it this way how can we get together and figure out how to run it because either we're going to fight and we're going to just keep ripping each other left to right and it's going to be worse for the government overall i think maybe 20 years ago that 
I would agree with you largely, but just the way the left and right have divided and created their own uh, form of ideology, their positions are so radically different that there really isn't much of a compromise. It's kind of my way or the highway or just an absolute shit middle line that doesn't work for either yeah. way. And, and I just... So. That's also because we're taught not to compromise. We're taught to be victorious. We're taught no participation trophies, no this. You either win or you go home, you loser. Yeah. Worthless, and pathetic piece of shit. Kind of to mix both I mean, of y'all's ideas together. Like, because as we've kind of seen with politicians throughout our child, compromising. Well, throughout our kind of life, we've seen them talk big, radical ideas and then. Nothing happens. Shit. Universal healthcare is supposed to be a thing for fucking decade now. I have to pay for insurance and I still got to pay a doctor. Yeah. No one one does anything. And it's like both sides talk big talk. But then once they get in office, they do the same thing. Almost. I mean, there's, there's some that they'll actually do and disagree on, but a lot of it's the same shit. At least with our political system, our political parties, because they're kind of two sides of the coin. And and most voters, aside from a few caveats, usually fall pretty center. Yes. The majority, it's the vocal minority that push both left and right even further. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Most liberals have some right-leaning tendencies. Most conservatives have some left-leaning tendencies. But we're not taught to compromise, so instead of talk about it, we double down on our positions and move even further. We move the goalposts even more. Yeah, and kind of like, as I said earlier, where, oh, well, this side's not hearing me, but this side is. You know, they got some crazy ideas, but they'll listen to me. And once you're in a culture like that, where it's all echo chamber, you start just becoming that echo chamber. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, look at... uh, both Trump and Biden. Formerly, they aligned themselves more center. But it's once they found a following in a party, they went more extreme on either side. And most of what they were saying, they never did. Mm. I, I disagree. But this we still is, have this immigrants a, coming in. I, Coronavirus I'm, is still going on. There's no I, universal health care. <laughs> There's a, you I mean, still got to pay your student loans. We can talk about this later. Loans. This is a whole yeah. digression and rabbit trail, though, <laughs> um, because we will probably talk more about these kinds of things in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Stay tuned for this spicy, spicy, spicy yeah. meatball. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's I do actually like David's idea of talking about um, irrevocable rights. And do we think that rights can be revoked? or they should be. Um, Obviously, there are instances throughout history in our country that they have been. Do we think that is just, and should that happen or not? All right, well, I'll start us off here. All right. I'm very opinionated about this. (laughs) All right, so what are the ways rights are revoked? Usually through a judiciary system, or usually... By handing over your citizenship and saying, and revoking your own citizenship. 
That's how you lose rights in America. Or by an act of Congress. Or act of Congress. But for the most part, it's usually through the judiciary system for 90% of people or 90% of the time. Kind of the almost everywhere thing. So how, how does that happen? It's, it happens because A, once you, are in the judici- once you are in the judicial system or the penal system, you are legally a slave. Because if you read the fine print, when they banned slavery, it's set for use of government punishment. That's not the exact words, but that's blatantly what it says. You are no longer a person in the system. You are property. And in modern eyes, we have tried to say, oh, but it's for punishment. It's for reform. There's, there's none of that happens. You sit in a cage for 23 hours a day. Where do I fall on it? I believe that if you infringe on the rights of another, whether it is taking legal property, whether it is taking away someone's life, holding them captive, there should be punishment. And that goes for all the politicians, too. You put a law that takes away unalienable rights, you should get thrown in the fucking gulag, too. When do, when do I personally think that the punishment should end? Me, personally? As soon as you're done with your sentence and you walk out that door... You should be brought back into society as a citizen. You're no longer property. You should still have the right to free speech. You should still have the right to bear arms. You should still have the right to vote as a tax-paying U.S. citizen. Because just because those rights are gone don't mean you you stop paying taxes. Oh, no, no, my friend. In fact, you pay the government more. Nine times out of ten, you pay the government more. So I personally believe rights can be taken away. But the guidelines that they are taken away need to be changed. Because we don't want a murderer or a serial killer just walking on the street. I think we can all three agree on that, right? Am I right, guys? No no serial killers? But how do you punish them if you don't? take away a right if if everyone has all the rights all the time they're living next to you just murdering people murdering people <laughs> or and that that's infringing on someone's rights <clears throat> if you kidnap somebody you're infringing on their their rights oh oh yes you are my friend and i but that's more of a rabbit trail into how the judicial system is fucked how the penal code is fucked, how all that is fucked. But I, I do believe sometimes you have to take away stuff to punish those who do not want to function properly in a society. What what are you guys' thoughts on it? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let David go. Yeah. I think because you kinda like how even though they're all inalienable, there's probably a different weight to them so like right to bear arms i think has a different weight to freedom of speech 
So for myself, I think especially with, I don't like what you disagree with me on that one, but for example, if someone's locked up, I still think they should be able to vote because when they get out, it's going to affect them still. And they, if there's anything going on, say in the prison and stuff, they should be able to speak out about it. The, because having a government view people kind of as property is a really bad thing. But then there's stuff like, oh yeah, this person who murdered 15 people, I don't think he should have a gun. I mean, mm. but when is punishment done? That is the question. You're putting a lifetime staple on something that you legally put a date on. If they yeah. kill 15 people, they're not getting out. They can't get a gun because they can't get out. What about someone who, at 18 years old, gets caught with a bag of weed? When does the punishment stop? What is the line drawn there on See, rights? With that, because personally, I mean, if a kid gets caught with a bag of weed, he shouldn't be sent through the judicial system. He should be sent through counseling and other things. But oh, yeah, but that's speaking on the world. changing of judicial. I'm yeah. talking right on a realistic now, right now, right here. <laughs> I mean, if he ended up going in, which, let's face it, he probably would, I, as soon as the sentence end, if not, as kind of a process, making, giving them the rights back, so once they're back in society, they have pretty much all the rights. So instead of like, oh yeah, you're out, you... Yeah. You can do this, 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 this. Overwhelming him with, but but you're fifty, but you're fifty grand away from being able to vote once you get released. Yeah, I don't think that's right. But where where is the line drawn? Because there's a clear line in the sand with what you're saying. Well, kind of as you were putting it. To me, someone selling a bat, say like getting caught with a bag of weed, it doesn't and kind of intrude on someone else's right right so I don't necessarily think but that while murdering people kind of invokes on a lot of people's rights by their will their fucking right to live so but I, you're saying but you also said once you're done serving your time you've served your time that's what the government that's what the government said you should serve yeah, even though I so it, you're creating a kind of fuzzy line there. Yeah, you also I, said I, that I get they what you're vote, saying. They should be able to vote while they're in jail, yeah. no matter what yeah. they did. So, well, at least with because like with my example, well, in my perfect role, like getting caught with bag <clears throat> weed won't get any jail time. You'll be sent through a different process that would be more effective than just locking you up, where it would just be like murderers, rapists, all that in actual prison. But in this current kind of penal system, it would uh, pretty much as long as it's not, say, a I guess you could say heinous crime, so like murder, rape, stuff like that. If you're in prison for stealing a little bit of money, you got five years, 
your vote will, if you vote now, nine times out of 10, you're going to have the same president. So you should be able to vote and for, especially for once you get out, whatever laws they pass will affect you. And if, if you can get what I'm saying, at least with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But so, also, one, one thing. Some people think selling drugs is a heinous crime, David. That's a sub, that is very subjective <laughs> on what heinous is. It doesn't it necessarily what kind of drug. <laughs> I see. That see, it's all that. That's are we talking? That are we talking line, weed or are we talking coke? Uh, I think they're all personal liberties. If you want to be a debaucherous person, just don't infringe on the rights. Don't don't infringe (laughs) on the rights of others. Or I see, say, our drug issues as kind of a cultural, economical, and kind of societal issue. And looking at the war on drugs, drugs have won (laughs) because we tried locking all the small-time people up. I don't sell out drugs, but that's we just made drugs cooler. What are you talking about? We just made drugs really cool. We, well, the 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 U.S. I mean, oh, oh, it's I I think at times you were talking about you and your boys. Oh no, that that (laughs) ties into kind of what you said earlier, where it's they tried doing the top down approach. It honestly hasn't worked. Yeah, we we have more overdoses today than we ever have. We have more people doing narcotics than we ever have. They tried it with alcohol too, that top down thing. And you saw how it, yeah, I totally can't go to the store and buy a bottle of liquor right now. And we got income tax partially from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, on things like that, I think that's more, again, a moral and a societal thing to work on. So as far as, can rights be taken away and when should they if if they are able to be taken away um i'm gonna wholeheartedly admit that i haven't thought about this enough to give a full answer yeah i mean for me it just popped up in my head it's it's like so i'm i'm just gonna say i'm kind of improvising here i don't actually know this isn't my settled opinion but i instinctively want to say there are certain scenarios in which yes rights should be taken away for example um with criminal punishment i do think you a criminal should be punished and part of that punishment is not being equal with everyone else if you want to be equal with everyone else then don't commit crimes now, obviously, we can debate endlessly about what is a crime and what isn't and what sentences should be right and, and when when the line should be drawn. But these are all like case by case scenarios. And to me, like we're not going to go through every single criminal action and be like, oh, well, if you murder someone, you you get your rights taken away for this long. If you, uh, you know, steal weed from your bro and then you got caught by a cop and then you get this many rights taken away. Like that's it's entirely like it, it's entirely case by case. So I'm, yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to put specificity in there because I and especially don't with our system. It's so kind of warped where this kind of small issue 
can get as much time as doing something that we can all agree is pretty fucked up. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like, yeah, it's also a question of does the punishment fit the crime in our society? And is this a crime issue or is this, or a cultural societal issue that needs a different avenue to be fixed. Right. Right. Which is if, this a government issue that needs the government to intervene or is this a societal thing? Yeah. All right, cool. And, um, well, we have talked about a lot of things. I think we should probably start to wrap it up. Um, purpose of government laws and rights. Do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, I was gonna say stuff, but it's it's irrelevant. It's <laughs> just kind of memes at this point. But uh, I think this is something extremely important for people to think on and ponder on. Become yeah. more politically aware. Become more aware of your lo- your rights, the laws that you have to withhold by, and really, really think on the difference between a societal issue and a legal issue. I think that's a very good one that you brought up, Bailey. I that's something I ha I I've thought of, but I didn't necessarily have the words to eloquently put it. Mm-hmm. But how ele but how thought out your responses were. Thank but you. and I think the biggest thing is just listen to other people because as you see, we may be from different sides, but usually our base work is pretty similar. Yeah, and I think um that's part of my intention with specifically this episode and the next one. They're very much philosophical thought experiments for you um, politically without getting into anything that's too politically charged just yet. You know, this this is a good thought experiment for people to kind of put themselves through. And we've had a couple of episodes in the past that are like that, that cause people to like take a minute and think about these things. And it, and it, I, I think it's a good way of breaking things down into a a manageable level so that you can think through these things and kind of come to your own beliefs about these things. Um, You know, like you said, we by and large agree on the goal, uh, the, the purpose of government and laws and and the place of the federal government versus the state government. Um, You know, we, we by and large agree on uh, the principles of what, how those things should operate Um, and you know, I posited the idea that rights are fundamentally a religious concept and, you know, maybe we disagree. David disagrees. Michael's going to think about it and that's fine. You know? So like that, I think that's, this has been mostly a productive episode. I don't really have anything else to recap on, but I think it's been good. Yeah. So everybody just don't be a dick. Talk to people. It's not scary to talk about as long as you keep a cool head. Yeah, Make as long as cool you're head. civil with people and yeah. like, don't maybe Bro, not. Because we've had to... really he. Go ahead. I'll let you finish first, sir. I was gonna say maybe not like talk religion and politics with somebody you just met, but like maybe talk with people that you've known for an, a little while, like you guys, for example. I've known you guys my whole life, so like we know like the boundaries of what should and shouldn't be said in a conversation. So we're not going to step on each other's toes too much, but I mean like, yeah, sometimes it does get heated, but you know, it's, like, you yeah. know, sometimes it's good to step on them toes, make, make them get a little workout. But we also, have, <laughs> like we I also know that roasting him about atheism. Oh yeah. Uh, but we all know we have that groundwork enough. And the they were all pretty level headed. 
people in society and even if we get heated and we strongly disagree, that doesn't make Bailey a piece of shit, doesn't make me a piece of shit, doesn't make David a piece of shit. We're all still just, I mean, you gotta think, we're all still figuring this shit out and we're all still learning and striving to be a better person throughout the end of it and to understand differing opinions so we can better inform our own opinions. And I, again, that comes back to the we're not taught to compromise, whereas through these conversations we're able to talk and figure out where our firm lines are and we figure out kind of where we could compromise, where we should give up ground and where we should just have a human conversation. So yeah, guys, don't be a dick. Yeah. You got anything, David? Uh, not David's really. Y'all, say, y'all pretty David's much gonna t- say amen to the don't be a dick thing. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. No, no, I have to make that's my, my religion right there. Don't be a dick. The religion. That's David's really. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I'm. No, no, I gotta make you. my own catchphrase and copyright it real quick. I'll put it on a shirt for you, <laughs> and I'll put a I'll put a, a phallic object that's not quite a penis on there. But very similar. It'd I'd be like a that. house or something. <laughs> It'll be like yeah. a house with a bicycle. I'd love anyway. that. But yeah, you'll pretty much touch, touch base. And ex- especially Michael saying my good old catchphrase, don't be a dick. Oh, you, what? Hey, I got a great idea. You know, those like really um, serene memes where it's just like beautiful scenery, like a sunset or like the ocean or something. And they like put it in cursive, like a swear word or something. Oh, the like, hashtag put, just. Like the hashtag just girl things. Yes. Yes. Like I'll put in cursive. Don't be a dick on like the ocean, like over sunset. And that'll be David's shirt. A little lead for the head, a little water for the lips. Hashtag just girly things. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I have that one memorized. We have covered a lot of things today. Um, I think that's about it though. I think we've covered pretty much everything. So, um, in the next episode, as I've alluded to, we're going to be talking about conservatism and progressivism, the power of political narrative. We're going to kind of um, analyze the predominant political ideologies of our day, um, give pros and cons, try to be charitable, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And um, also, I wanted to definitely tell you guys to uh, send your questions to at facingthegatespod at gmail.com. If we get questions, we plan to do a QA. and uh, a and that's not too much longer from now. You know, the show is going to be ending, so your, your time is limited. Also, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at facingthegatespod. Uh, no, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at facing the gates sorry i got it mixed up with our email anyway that's about it like comment subscribe if you're on youtube share it with your friends i've done all the plugging things we have anything else before we wrap up i'd say it's been real i'd say it's been fun it's been real fun all right well we'll see you guys next time i love you